Welcome to A Month with Matthew in Croatia. I'm writer Matthew Felix, and I needed to get away for a while to figure out what was next for me. And this is what happened when I did. These are travel anecdotes, stories, and ruminations from my month in a small island village in Croatia. From the characters I met to the experiences I had, some funny, some frustrating, to the thoughts, memories, and emotions that came up for me during my solo retreat in the seaside village in Croatia. On my way to the beach today, I had, uh, I'm not really sure (laughs) how to describe this. I guess let's just say a big surprise, an unexpected encounter. As I was rounding the street that goes kind of up and and towards the beach, as I was leaving the village, around the bend, all of a sudden appears this stunning man. Um, Younger man, I don't know, mid-20s, you know, somewhere in that range. I have no idea. It's so hard to tell shirtless. He's just coming back from the beach himself. Just stunning. You know, in great shape, beautiful face, great hair. (laughs) And the reason I bring this up is I haven't had any of those kind of encounters here. I've seen one gay couple since I've been here, you know, one identifiably gay couple since I've been here, but pretty much, you know, that's not what this place is about. It's more kind of a family place. It's not a scene. It's not certainly not a gay vacation destination. Now, I don't even know if this, I have no idea, obviously, anything about this guy's sexuality. So I don't even know if he's gay. I'm just wishing, (laughs) wishing that he were, and that I made, you know, even half the impression on him that he made on me. Now, as it turns out, he completely blew me off. Completely, (laughs) completely blew me off. I mean, we walked within, say, five feet of each other just because, you know, narrow road, and, and he just, Look straight ahead, stoic expression, as if he was just lost in his thoughts, could not care about anything going on around him, least of all me. So it's not as if, I mean, ultimately, there's probably no point in me even sharing this story. It's not as if, again, there's any reason to think that any, that I even, you know, remotely registered on his radar. So I guess I'm just bringing it up because... Again, it's it was so unexpected, and and I haven't had any sort of encounters along those lines. I mean, there are plenty of good-looking guys here, you know. But again, usually they're, you know, they're they're parts of of nuclear families of you know with with two kids and and a wife, and so I just haven't even been thinking those terms. So for that to all of a sudden, not for that, for someone like that to all of a sudden appear out of nowhere when you're least expecting it, and your quote unquote defenses are down. Anyway. A very unexpected encounter that obviously made quite an impression. Happy to report that the uh, the landlord sent out the the guy who manages her properties right away, like right away. Because I think now she's probably panicking. Because I naturally I'm going to ask for a refund if I can't stay here. So super responsive. He shows up and he knocks on my door to to let me know about the conversation he just had with the neighbor. And it's <laughs> a couple of things. One is he tells me, hey, you know, um, my my boss, the landlord, you know, she woke me up for this. And I, you know, she woke me up and I came right away. Well, it's 4 p.m. <laughs> so, I mean, if he works night shift, 
which seems unlikely because I see him every morning in the, at the, at the, uh, heading into the cafe. So it seems unlikely. And I mean, like, you know, at 745, eight o'clock, I, I see him frequently. Seems unlikely that he works some sort of night shift. Who knows? But I thought it was pretty funny that he was showing me how inconvenienced he had been by being woken up at 4 p.m. Now, I take naps. Naps are really important to me. So I'm not saying that I don't appreciate, you know, nap taking. But the idea that he was somehow extremely inconvenienced by being woke up, woken up at 4 p.m. to deal with this issue when it's his job was kind of amusing to me. So anyway... And he doesn't speak English very well, so maybe maybe I was kind of missing the point, but I'm pretty sure that's what he was saying. At any rate, he assures me once again that the neighbor is swearing up and down that he's done. And then he explains that the neighbor had said that he's got kids coming, and so he has to build this railing so the kids don't fall off. And he says it in a way as if that somehow changes things. Again, I think this is our fourth interaction, our fourth go at this. That's not the point. I don't want kids falling off his balcony. That's not the point. The point is he should have planned for that. The point is he's not allowed to be doing this construction. The point is he's lied about it three times already. So I hope he figures out a solution so that the kids don't die falling from his balcony, which isn't a balcony. It's just a terrace that's like kind of off the ground a little bit. Uh, so that's great, but that's not the point. Just stop the goddamn construction. So once again, I have been assured that the construction's done. Not going to hear a peep out of that guy, which of course I will because he just makes a lot of noise. But I won't hear any more saws or drilling or hammering. So I wrote the landlord right away. I said, thank you very much for sending out the guy to talk with the neighbor. He swears it's done. He swears they're going to call the police again. I mean, he's, he swears again that, they're gonna, that, that he'll call the police if this happens again. Again, they've already said that every time and have never done it. So who knows? And I said to her, I really appreciate the quick response, but if this happens again, I'm going to have to get out of here because it's been a week of dealing with this and I'm not going to deal with this for three more weeks. Once again, going to be cautiously optimistic, hoping that, you know, this is now, we've gone through this now enough times that the neighbors gets that, that, that this is a problem. Hopefully he really is done and I can just enjoy the rest of my time here in my little Croatian cottage. been quite a few days. I haven't stopped to count, but it's been quite a few days since the German Shepherd has barked at me. And so I think this is another example of how I have sort of gradually become a temporary part of, you know, a village life. I think he finally, you know, I walked by so many times for well over a week, just wondering, you know, God, you've already seen me so many times. I'm obviously not a threat. Like, when are you going to stop barking? Well, the good news is, you know, it's uh, two weeks in, I think, something like that. And it's been a few days, at least, since he's tried to, uh, you know, since I have been perceived as a threat or or just a, a source of aggravation for him. So that is a positive development. It's really nice to be able to walk by that house without worrying about, you know, jumping out of my skin every time he appears unexpectedly and starts barking madly. And of course, again, I also just feel better for him that that uh, he's not so stressed out by my presence every time I walk by. 
One thing I hear a lot is, oh my God, Matthew, you're so lucky when people hear that I'm going overseas for a month, for example, as I do, you know, once or this year, actually twice a year. Or when I traveled to, you know, really interesting places, sort of off the off the beaten track sort of places. And and also just, you know, living my day-to-day life and not going into an office to do nine to five. Well, interestingly, you know, so many of those people who tell me how lucky I am, and again, I am lucky, but I'm going to going to explain that a little bit. So many of those people telling me how lucky I am are people with way more money than I, you know, than I have. They own a home. They own cars, you know, and I don't have any of that. And I want that. I would like to have more in the material realm than I do right now. So, so yes, I am lucky to get to do a lot of the things that I get to do that many people, even most people perhaps can't or don't do. But when people say I'm lucky, I always sort of cringe a little bit or always sort of, you know, have a, a, a reaction because while there is some real luck in the sense of something beyond myself that is, you know, that's got my back, that's looking out for me, that's presenting me with opportunities that are in fact beyond my control and are in fact quote unquote luck, it's also true that I have made tremendous sacrifices and I have taken very big risks and I've worked really hard and I'm still working. I'm still trying to figure this out because I've not figured it out yet. But I have been very deliberate and very, um, again, just deliberate in the choices I've made to enable myself, to, to enable me to be able to live this way. So, you know, I used to make a lot more money than I am right now, and I gave that up. And that's just one example of a significant sacrifice. And I didn't give it up because I had, you know, a trust fund to support me or because I had tech money in the bank or options. I gave it up because I wanted to live a life that was true to myself. And so again, in a, you know, in in some aspects, yeah, I'm really lucky. In others, I have again taken big big uh big risks, made some big sacrifices. Now I'm not a martyr. I'm not saying um you know, and I'm not a hero. But I'm simply trying to make the point here that from the outside so often other people's lives can look so much easier or so much more attractive or so we can idealize them. And it's not necessarily the case. Now, again, I'm enjoying my life, but I have lots of ups and downs as someone who's trying to live from their creativity. You know, when I'm getting good reviews and I'm being asked to do events and lots of people are listening to the podcast or lots of people are buying the books or what, whatever, you know, then or I'm getting awards, then I feel great. And I feel as if, hey, you know what, I'm on the right track. Things are coming together for me. This is happening. And it motivates me and it inspires me to keep on going. But then maybe I go a few days without selling any books. And maybe events that I was hoping to participate in, I don't get to participate in. Or, you know, on and on. Or maybe maybe an episode of my podcast, nobody listens or almost nobody listens to. You know, so it's very up and down. And so again, coming full circle to the beginning of this of this sort of series of thoughts, that's why I have that very mixed reaction when people tell me how lucky I am. I am extremely grateful for the luck that I have had, the opportunities that I have had, you know, um, the opportunities provided to me when I was growing up, you know, very middle class and 
you know, I got to go to college. So there are a lot of things that set me up that I'm really grateful for and other opportunities along the way, doors that opened that, that were very helpful and beneficial and, and again, helped enable me to be in a position where I could make this jump to living a creative life. But it was still, nonetheless, a very big jump. And, and so I guess the message here is to be grateful for what we do have, to be grateful for the fortune that comes our way, the quote-unquote luck that comes our way, for our being taken care of in different ways, but also to remember that what someone's life might look like from the outside, you know, the grass is always greener. It's not necessarily that simple. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe and check out MatthewFelix.com for information about my books, other podcasts, and much more.